I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for What's Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Ravinelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Ravinelli spots out. Emerson! Welcome back to the Borough Breakdown Podcast, live on Red Army Radio and on the podcast apps. Thank you very much for joining us again. Um, I'm joining with Dana and Elliot, and as always, we chat about Middlesbrough Football Club and Middlesbrough. Um, are currently 20th in the championship, um, coming into the second international break. Guys, I know it was disastrous, and I think we're going to chat a lot about that tonight and vent a lot of frustrations, I think, which has been building up over the season so far. But we're going to chat Birmingham first. Um, it's a feat which was... We all predicted it, which actually wasn't going to happen. We all said 1-0 um, in it. Anything but 1-0. Um, I don't think we had one touch of the football, actually, funny enough. Um, yeah, but, the goal. <laughs> yeah, the goal, yeah. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, I don't know how we even scored, to be honest. Um, but I was going to say, Dana, Ali, I, was like, I, don't know, I don't know why I always start with you, but here we go. Um, poor performance, wasn't it? Yeah, it was worse than the Sheffield Wednesday game for me, which is quite some feat, actually, given how bad that, <laughs> that performance against them was. Um, but, I mean, again, we just our weaknesses were completely exploited. It seems incredibly easy for championship managers to to match up against Bourne and say, go on, attack them, you know, get down the flank, put ball in the box and just watch them squirm. It, 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 I mean, it's, it's quite embarrassing, actually, and it was such a shambolic performance against Birmingham. But the worrying thing is, is how inept we've become at defending balls into the box. Mm. Well, I'm not going to lie. It For a club that is historically defended and played defensive football since probably Steve McLaren. <laughs> um, we're not very good at defending anymore. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, like we have an experienced backline. You know, in the, in the championship, we've got Ryan Schott and Daniel Ayala. The Dill Fry is, is is not inexperienced, and you know, you it's just so easy for teams to to score against us because I'm, and I can't put my finger on why it's happening. But in the air, we just seem. I mean, the goals against Birmingham both came from from crosses, um, and you know, the second one just so much space. We just give 
we're not getting touch tight. You know, we're giving players so much space, and and they're just ripping us open. Mm, it's the basic errors that were were like making fault really. Um, I think the, the the whole fundamental of how we defend and um, defending as a unit it's becoming a bit of a, a problem throughout. I think with the four three three, we haven't really been able to defend our line properly. I think last year we had a great defence because we were playing nine nine defenders. Um, or oh, well, central midfield FC or something we were called. <laughs> Um, but with that in mind, Els, um, is it a little bit worrying now that we've, we're getting tactically out for already this season and teams are finding us out now? Or is it kind of a positive way you think it forces will get to change his plans? Uh, yeah, I think probably agree with the second part of that. Um, the fact that it's happened so early on is going to force us to rely on other players than just Paddy McNair FC because we, we are just going down that right hand side um, it, it's far too obvious when you look back at the average positions um, from the Birmingham game he was the furthest forward out of anyone which absolutely baffles me um, Marcus Brown was on on the on the heat map looked like he was playing centre mid um, he doesn't you know there's there's we've said before that he's played um, central attacking midfield before and I feel like that's where he wants to be he doesn't want to be out wide Um so, yeah, uh, we're going to have to change it. And I think it kind of comes maybe to a question you might have lined up, but swallow our pride and do the basics right first. Defend and, you know, keep keep it tight at the back and try and nick wins. And once you've built confidence, then we can try and look to go out and play expressive um, and play better, especially when we get more recruits in January. But for the time being, we don't have the players to do it. So we need to get points on the board. Otherwise... We're going to be in the relegation zone. It's only going to get worse. Um, and we can end. Well, yeah. I was going to say he's going to an- answer the question. It was you yeah. pretty much nailed it anyway from James Reeve. So yeah. um, the, the question actually was: Is it time to swallow our pride and return to a soul-destroying, mind-numbing? <laughs> I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it, James. I'm not going to say it. Um, or one-nil football. I'm not going to say the B word. I'm not going to say it anymore. <laughs> James, you've ruined it. You've ruined it for all of us. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, uh, yeah. <laughs> let's let's not talk about the B word, but yeah, um, yeah. I, th- I feel like we might have to go back to sort of not even that style, but just you know, any any time a manager gets sacked and someone new comes in, that's what the first premise is. It's to stop leaking goals, um, and that's what we're doing at the moment. So, you know, we don't want to just be trigger happy. Or, you know, if Steve Gibson doesn't want to be trigger happy, he wants to give Woodgate time. Then um, he, him and his coaching team need to come up with a way and a system of us stop doing that whether it's going five at the back on us and it not being the most entertaining game um you know we've we've got to start winning because we're not playing entertaining even if we are trying to play this four three three system with with high press i I haven't even seen the high press since 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 the brentford game Mm. so it's yeah it needs to change doesn't it i mean the game against sheffield wednesday was horrible and then you know there was a slight improvement in the pressing game but to be honest it couldn't have got any worse from uh, sheffield wednesday and then, you know, the Birmingham game was worse for me than that performance against Chef Wed. Um, we have to change it. Would, Woodgate has to change it. I mean, the goals that we conceded against Birmingham, I mean, the frustrating thing for me is that Birmingham, you know, with all respect, are a team that, you know, we need to be beaten because we're going to be in and around where they are. And we effectively handed them three points. You know, that first goal, Marcus Brown wasn't uh, tracking the the full-back, um, and then it got 
cut into the box and it was just it was just easy just what? just looking at the score line and looking and you could say oh well you know the, the scored late on didn't they have like 26 shots on yeah time? i mean <laughs> I, I, I personally I didn't, I didn't watch the game live uh, i was out as, look at you yeah i mean shock <sighs> shock uh, <horror>. yeah <laughs> shock but not surprised <laughs> but um, you are bootlegger I am, yeah. I mean, legger. I'll start being the the Borough Breakdown bootlegger. I'll, I'll start going live if you want on a yeah. Friday. I mean, you can do it. It'll, it'll open so many doors for the page. To be fair, like, mate, if, if you want to go for it, I'm all for it. Yeah, I mean, it would have been great. Uh, Ten o'clock uh, on Friday night, me coming on absolutely uh, spouting <laughs> the S word about Borough. Um, but yeah, yeah. Like I say, obviously, I didn't watch it at the time. I've watched the highlights back and sort of looked over the stats and, and heat maps, average positions, and so on. Um, but yeah, like you said, 26 attempts for Birmingham, five um, for us, only one from open play. Um, they absolutely dominated us. They hit the bar, they hit the post. Randolph had to bail us out twice. Um, so, you know, like you're saying, Birmingham are uh, sort of, so we thought, around our level, we can go there and nick a 1 0 win, but they just they just dominated us. Yeah, well, you don't have to look at the stats to to know how bad the game was when we, I think, when me and Dana watched it. It was just so like <laughs> it was so bad, like lacklustre, uh, t- tactically inept. We didn't close down. We couldn't create chances. They made it very difficult for us. They pretty much nullified us by you can nullify another football club by standing about five yards normally from when you normally do, make it more of a higher line because we're not we're not going to do anything. We'll do one, two, three, bang, long ball to Brit. Brit won't win it. Comes back again. Yeah, it's static it, again. Yeah, it's, it's what we've said it comes, so many it times. It comes back to that, that static thing that we were mentioning. Then we were saying last week where we need to start using the wings more, try and bring the team forward with the width um, because we're not doing it. It's as simple as that. What we're trying to do is complete opposite of what Woodgate said he was going to do. Um, I know you probably didn't see it. I was live or nothing, but I think you might have done it. So Caroline Park, the presenter, I think we've got a question about it actually, funny enough. I'll I'll credit you in a second if I don't credit you. I'm sorry, mate. Um, but Dave, I think. It was. Shout out to Dave. Thanks, Dave. Um, <laughs> and the question was, he was on the lines of Caroline Backer, and she pretty much slated we'll get in the press conference, asking him like loads of tw- difficult questions, saying, "Do you feel under pressure? Um, do you feel like you've been you know tactically outthought? Do you think she was right to actually press him, Daniel, on those questions rather than play it safe and like like standard journalism?" Yeah, I mean, people don't like to to see it because the, you know you have to stick within the realms of being professional. But it wasn't as if Woodgate crumbled under pressure of those questions. I think he actually responded to them quite well, and they were all valid questions. They're all questions that the fans want to to ask Woodgate. So I think Caroline Barker was well within her rights to ask them. Um, I don't really quite understand the uproar over it. I think it was a very refreshing, honest interview and. Um, I was, you know, I was quite happy that, that those questions were asked and answered by Woodgate. No, I agree. I think she has, she has to ask those questions because I think managers can become like robots a little bit and so can players. I know that they get cards to say certain things in press conferences and when they're talking to the media, so it's very neutral. It's not slagging the team off, but everyone loves that character. Like. It's, there's a reason why people love Leo. There's a there's a reason why people love Paolo Di Canio, and there's a reason why people love Gaza because they were just they're just completely, no, not just nutcases, but like very extrinsic. Jose Mourinho is a fine example. Klopp is a bit like, but it's still like quite neutral. But we have to like delve into that in terms of like journalism. I feel like a little bit more and try to probe a little bit harder yeah. to try and 
get the truth out of them. Um, we'll speak on like the truth. Really. Does, do you think we'll get actually speak to the truth in this press conference? Press conferences like to show his honesty, or is it like, or is it a bit more put on? It's it's very difficult for me to like. It's it's refreshing to see like a Borough fan like care because he's managed for his hometown club and all that kind of yeah. stuff. But it's like, okay, like are you just putting it on? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, he's obviously he's certainly a lot more truer than than Monkbot was, um, <laughs> and and he, he, oh, I think it comes with the job. Um, he's not a custodian either. Yeah, Tony. I think uh, <laughs> we, we we were just saying before we came on air about about Tony Pulis. He knows how to handle interviews. He's he's done that many. He knows what he's saying as a manager to either uh, motivate or or kind of. Um, you know, kind of make his players feel bad and if they, if they need to, um, but either motivate them or, or whatever. He knows what he's saying in interviews, Tony Pulis. Um, Woodgate hasn't had that experience yet, so I feel like it's part and parcel of the job. He's at some point, if you know, if even even if it was top of the league, um, there would have been questions which he wouldn't be expecting. Um, but it would have been all happy days because we were top of the league. But um, it's these ones where you're down at the bottom end of the table um, where yeah he could have crumbled under pressure he handled them quite well but it, it's going to come but it, yeah I agree with both of you on, on kind of Caroline Barker and, and the questions that she asked because who else is going to ask those questions yeah. the fans can't ask Woody himself so mm-hmm. um, well well, yeah. Patrick Carey actually um, messaged, yeah, sent us a, a message and he's saying is it time for Gibson to show his support for Woodgate even though it's so early on in this in the season a lot can change. I know Preston won about five points, and they were doing terrible for like the majority of the season. And they did very well towards the end. Um, but is it time for Gibson to come out and kind of like voices like is not his frustrations, but the more or less of his support for for Woodgate and say you know he's the he's the man I picked him. Um, he's going to manage his club for like two or three years, regardless of where we finish. Um, is it? Do you think he should be doing that now, or is it? Is it like kind of? Do you think well? Well, Gates had time here, like he's he hasn't done much. Or how can we even improve that? Improve we'll get in his coaching staff as well. But, um, but in terms of the Gibson side of things, should he actually come out and voice his support? I'd like to see more action than than words. Um, you know, we've there seems to be a new direction. <coughs> well, my voice. Um, <laughs> there seems to be a new direction, but that's probably good that I do that because I'm going to go on a rant now. Go on. Um, Go on, Dana. But you know, <laughs> the frustration for me is that we're going forward with a new philosophy, which is going to run throughout, all throughout the club, and yet we're sticking with an old pre-existing format. You know, we still don't have a director of football. Yep. We still have the same recruitment team that yep. have failed season on season since the January transfer window when we brought in Patrick Bamford, ten million. Rudy just said. Seven million, then Adam Guardiola for no apparent reason. Just with that, I don't think that the recruitment team have made. We ha- we haven't had a good summer really since I would say McLaren era since sixty nine since summer two of summer of sixty nine or two thousand and three <laughs> uh, that was coming that was always going to happen wasn't it <laughs> I was going to view it but I know I'm uh, sorry I, I sorry but in dinner but it was like more or less of like when McLaren's left can you name any decent <laughs> sign like proper decent signings okay there's Ledbetter it's probably Gaston. Top well, George Friend for the money that we brought George in Friend, for. Yeah, okay, but like we've spent massive money on Marvin Emnes, absolutely terrible. Had one good season. Didier Degard didn't even feature in that season. Ali Ali, yeah, he swapped them for like the likes of Hasselbank, Viduka, Macaroni. Um, we swapped 
We got rid of Max Water, one of the most valuable goalkeepers in Premier League history, and replaced him with Brad Jones and Ross Turnbull, who is actually the most de- decorated English goalkeeper of all time. Just thrown out there. Um, but this is this has been coming for a long, long time. The recruitment thing hasn't. The recruitment thing, it's been a fundamental problem since about 2005, 2006, because over the last 13 years, we haven't made great signings. We've been, we've been lucky on a couple, and we've and we've made some good signings. Okay, with Negredo was great. Um, but the, the big thing is, if you're middle of a football club, they're only going to attract big players if for cash. Like, they're not going to do it any other way. Like, who would want to come? I'm not, don't get me wrong, I love where I live, but... Why would you want to come to Middlesbrough when you've got an opportunity in London? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but sorry, Dana, I'll I'll, I'll carry my rant on later. But <laughs> sorry, <laughs> you took took over mine there, Johnny. Um, no, I was just saying that, like, you know, we need to change our recruitment like team. We we obviously brought an agent in Bevington. I still don't know what he does. So there's there's clarity issues there that I think the club could maybe come out and I don't know say something about that. Um, but it's like people, well, some people compare our potential project to that of Norwich. Now, one of the main reasons why Norwich have been so successful under Daniel Farker is because they've got it spot on above his head. You know, they've got Stuart Webber in there who, uh, you know, just looking at the, the signings that they've made, Tim Krull, free transfer, Timu Puki, free transfer. You've got a couple of, um, you know, academy lads like... like yeah, Todd Cantwell, three or four of them, isn't it, through? Yeah, so you've got, you've got that blend and then you've got the likes of... Marco Steeperman, Emiliano Buendia, I think Juan El Hernandez cost about 1.5 million. Mm-hmm. And then you look at, you know, the, the money that we've spent on some players. I keep saying that, I'm saying it, but seven million pounds for Aidan Flint, eight million for George Savile. If you knock half that price off George Savile, he still wouldn't be worth that much. Poor George. But it, it's like <laughs> it's like we we have this old format and yeah. it needs to change. It's like playing. A Windows 10 game on Windows Vista, it's not going to work. Oh, that was really good. I like that. Really good analogy. I'm going to take that. I'm going to take well, that over to one. There's one for the snippets. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I, I, I'm inclined to agree. Um, there's a lot that isn't going to change. So um, uh, Dave uh, Roberts from, from uh, Red Army TV was, was gave us this glorious studio, which we're in at the moment, we were saying a couple of weeks ago um, to me before we came on air that Borough have no grand plan um and that's the thing that's always been the same with the club we go with um whatever we think is the best direction at the time and then kind of retract that three or four years later and and, and start again we haven't got someone in who is a strategist basically mm. who can see five ten fifteen years in the future and to make the club as lean as it can be uh, as efficient as it can be and also um sort of entertaining and, and making it into a not just kind of somewhere you turn up on a Saturday because we have to because we live in the area and support the club no matter what it's somewhere where you're getting extra fans on board you're getting a new generation on board um, when they're kind of getting the football let's say five, six, seven years old or whatever um, you know a clear idea like that we have nothing in place for that um, we obviously let some of the recruitment team go in the summer because I've seen a lot of job vacancies well, not mm. job vacancies but people posting that they lost the job Um at the borough, um, one particular one was one he didn't have very good stats on football manager. Apologies, Peter Bomer, if you're listening. But um, nice. yeah, but I mean, he might be <laughs> he, he might have been better than Adrian Bevington. We don't know. But whatever the recruitment, t- whoever was left now in the recruitment team, or if anyone else came in, um, you know, as it as it stands so far, the the gems that we supposed to have picked up from League One um, haven't been great. But we've been kind of 
we've had some praise for Bowler and Dykesteel at times, um, but Marcus Brown overall, just I'm really not impressed with him apart from his nutmeg at no, Ad I Lewin. Agree. Um, I agree with that. But in terms of signings overall, the years I think apart from Karanka's era, there hasn't been any signings where. But even it's then, on, we we blew a lot of cash. Like, I think blown it, yeah. But at the same Carlos time, I think it was like four mil, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. To be fair with that, though, our spine was good. And I think part of it was, you know, Tony Mowbray. Yeah. You, know, you have to he praise Tony Mowbray for yeah. Ayala, Adorma, Friend, Friend yeah. Dimmy. I think Dimmy. maybe that period um, was the only ones where we got players that, even if not necessarily you didn't Bam, think they were on the up, but you brought, you brought in players who were on the up, in a sense. So other signings, you might be like, okay, it's good. Um, George Friend, 100k or whatever. Um Considering, say what me and, and you were used to growing up seeing Johnny when we started that season, going into the season signing Viduco and Hasselbank. I mean, I'm not and saying you're, and you're like, we're like going to. It was absolutely mental. Um, or the same as going up to the Premier League and getting the Grado and Valdez. There hasn't been many signings where it's better than what the club is. And I'm not saying we should always go and do that. Obviously, you don't have the money to do that sometimes. You don't have the, the Premier League status to do that sometimes. But um, there seems to be. You know that we're bringing in players that seem to be lesser than the quality than what we already have, um, and losing better players. And it's always going to be the case. We're going to be kind of a selling club if we ever get someone valuable, um, Trey or Ben Gibson, so on. They're going to go, but there's got to be a thing of picking up gems. And then when you sell them on for that money, if you've picked them up from nothing and made fifteen million, then then great. Then you can say that probably with Ben Gibson um, because he's from the academy. But there's not many that that happens with. Um, so I think over the years we probably haven't made huge amounts of profits like some clubs do. We've probably ran at a loss or, made, or the, you know, your net spend over the past fifteen years is you know, definitely minus. I'd say. Well, you look at, at Norwich again. Um, you know, just to compare us to them again, um, they sold obviously James Madison, which by the way was a really good pickup from Coventry in the first place. Sold him on Player. to Leicester for a, a, a substantial fee. Then the, the Murphy brothers, obviously, they came through their academy, I think. Yeah, and then they sold them on. And then we did the same with, you know, Gibson, Adama and Bamford. God, and we got our money back for Bamford. Yeah, you, um, you look at, like, the difference between what Norwich did. I think we got about I think we got about the same for ba- uh, Bamford. Yeah, so we, not, I was just saying, I don't know how we got the money yeah. back for Bamford. But, <laughs> but, like, you look at, like, what we've done with that money versus what Norwich have done. It's. I mean, why? Why has this happened? Yeah, we're cutting costs, and part of that is because obviously we've we've been relegated. But uh, another reason for that is because we've splunged so much money on average players, average aging players that you know we've overpaid for, and and that is obviously why we've kind of changed tack now with bringing in Dyke Steel, Bowler, and Brown for for smaller fees. But we need to start cherry picking more gems like that. And obviously it, it'll come with time, but I still think that if we've got the same recruitment team, and I'm not saying get rid of the, the people that are in there now, maybe more just like get somebody else in that is more of a mastermind of it all and and see where you go with that. Because I agree with what Johnny said, you know, throughout modern time, you know, we've we've been quite poor in the, in the transfer window. It could even be funds to it as well. So maybe we stuck with the kind of the database of players that we already had and thought, you know, we'll spend... How, how much was it we, we spent for uh, Johnny House? I'm say that even that was like four million at the well, time. Three and a half, four million, yeah, yeah. Something like that. It's I like it was five. Everyone, everyone knew who Johnny Houseman was, you know what I mean? He's, he'd been in the championship. Household then. Yeah, exactly. So, what your mantelpiece? A lot of players we were signing are players that 
people already know the names of um, in the championship. Um, when really we could have maybe put that money into the scouting budget for our scouts to go far and wide to send them to, you know, it's not it's not hard really travel in this country, and it seems like they're doing that because we're looking at League One and League Two players. But to be, if you know, thinking of some of them. Um, Buendia, um, I don't know who he played for, but obviously just looking at the nationalities, Germany, uh, Argentina, um, you know, you can send them far and wide to clubs that are, are not known to kind of championship level clubs, it's usually Premier League scouts that are going out looking at these players, so um, yeah. I think They're long-term signings as well, we seem to have bought for the present, you know, with, there's like, there's no long-term direction, the likes of um, Housen and... Um, Flint players like that. There's no direction. It's just very much short term, and I think that's where Borough went horrendously wrong in the transfer window. We overpaid for players that are very much a short term catch. I think there's a couple of things mentioned on all of that, and I was trying to think of a couple of people or a couple of clubs in similar to Middlesbrough in that front. But I seen an interview with Dan Ash. Is it Dan Ashworth that Brighton technical Brighton. director? It was on BT Sport um, in the early kickoff on for Spurs Brighton, and. It was really interesting, actually, and insightful on how a club potentially could be running and a long-term project and how it would play out. Um, the things I got from it is like the, that grand plan which you, which you and Dave were mentioning. Else, it's like it's never going to stop, and it's it's always going to be an ongoing project. But the thing is, with what we've done and what we've done over the last ten, fifteen years, it's like we've stayed in a certain place, and football's changed, the whole aspects changed, money's changed. British Sombolonga actually has cost more than our whole stadium cost uh, to put it into perspective how game, the game's changed and um, we haven't really changed we've just thought well we can continue to splash the cash as much as we can and then Gibson's realised well I'm actually a millionaire and a billionaire's game now so it, it probably won't work for me and since we're so late to this time now it's going to be difficult for us to probably cherry pick those players because You've got to think the likes of, say, Aston Villa, um, who I know a couple of people who actually work for Aston Villa and like the Scotland Network, they're miles ahead of what we probably will be because um, they've had ground, they've had it done from the ground up and they've done it for years. Brighton exactly the same, Norwich exactly the same. Um, so it's good that Mills are probably starting now to try and find the gems and try to find a way of a way of life for how Mills would want to play, but. I feel like you do need to have some sort of technical director to actually say, right, Millsborough Football Club, this is how we're going to play. It doesn't matter how, it doesn't matter win, lose or draw. This is exactly what we're going to do, and this is the big plan overall. I think that is how this, that's the solution of what you want to do. Um, but it, there's no surprise to me in comparison that Manchester United are doing absolutely terrible this season. One because they don't have a director of football, and two. Um, they have no one like making the decisions to help Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who's a who's a new coach. But I think Manchester United are like are a, a club that is getting all the spotlight. But we're very much similar to that. Yeah, seen. Did, did you watch the uh, interview? I think with someone uh, who's the I think kind like of sporting director or whatever. Is he? At, uh, he was at Lille, um, and he, he's good mates with Jose Mourinho. Um, it, it was where I'd I'd kind of seen what you were talking about there, um, but yeah, he, he was he was working for I can't think what team he's at now. Um, it was in there, but he, he's been at Lille and he brought through um, all of their players have now sold on for millions and they made huge profit from them all. Obviously, Hazard being one of the most famous, but also um, Pepe, obviously the most recent one. Um, but yeah, we're in the same situation. But he was saying that he believes. 
Man United need one, um, and that you know it would really help Ole Gunnar Solskjaer because it takes the not the heat off in a sense, but there's there's someone else there who's doing an extra job, and then it gives the coach time to only coach the players. He doesn't need to do anything else above that. All he all he needs to do is five days a week, just however many training sessions there is, just be out on the field with the lads, just like drilling in sessions into them, and everything else is left under the realms of someone else. He doesn't need to worry about another part of his job role. Um, but whether we're going to do it or not, it, I, I can't. I can't see it. I can't see us doing it. I, I can't. Like I said, there's no. There's no grand plan. I don't think we're going to get one. I think it's just we've always chopped and changed with the times. So we'll be like, oh, we think this is the best way to go. We'll go with uh, we'll go with Tony Pulis, and then we're like, no, actually, we'll change it. And it was the same with Gareth Southgate when it was Gareth Southgate came in and said all the exact same things as what Johnny Woodgate said. Um, and he tried to bring in players like Jeremy Alliadier. He tried to bring bring him in as you know an attacking flair player. Yeah. Um, so you could compare Afonso Alves to British Sambalonga, Jeremy Alliadier to Marcus Brown kind of different levels um, but it's kind of the same aspect and the only time Gareth Southgate kind of performed um, was when we went down and we don't want that again for Johnny Woodgate to have to go down to then be smashing it in League One and then get sacked he's been so right down the river Woodgate I feel yeah. quite yeah. sorry for him everyone so. keeps saying he's a human shield and he effectively is like he wants to bring through this ac- this attacking football he doesn't have the options he's not yeah. being backed you, in that you can't respect. do it with just three signings in the third third choice keeper can you it's like we're going to need you know definitely the next two transfer windows um you can't chris we can't that's what and that's what we're saying obviously like with marcus brown i can't be overly i can be overcritical of his performances but you know of the kind of whole way we're playing um you know if, if we'll get to trying to be playing a certain way and trying to coach it into players we're just not going to get it um and just never going to have the quality to get it then what can we do? We're going to have to try and change tack until we get those players in because um, we don't have the options. And then yeah, if injuries occur, it, it's even worse. It's like so. we still don't have good wingers. It's like, I feel like <laughs> yeah. like Marvin Johnson at the beginning of the season, we've we've come to love Neymar Marv on this podcast, but he's faded out, hasn't he? Yeah. It's like he started well, but he's very much just a stopgap, I feel, for the moment. I think if, like, had we signed... A winger in the in the transfer window that is a proper out and out winger because I, I still don't think Marcus Brown is. Um, then Marvin Johnson wouldn't. I don't even think he would be here. That's yeah. the thing. There's there's many players playing for us now and in the squad that wouldn't be here if Bora had recruited well in the in the window and yeah. in the prior windows as well. It's, it's not even just the sense of you know trying to almost play it as like sort of um, a FIFA Kareem or whatever, getting players with young potential in it. If there's someone out there. And you know we we kind of saying this for Marcus Madison. If there's, there's players out there, free like free agents, or they come at the end of the contract, meeting picking up very cheap, they're just as good. If they're, you know, they're 28, but they've they're an out and out winger in the championship, and they've had a good goal and assist record over the past four or five seasons, then you know get them in because they're going to work in the system for that you want to play. So like this whole like I've got like a bit of a like bone to pick really with like this whole system and and transitional period and stuff like that. For me, if you tell a professional footballer to go and play football, he can play. There's, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. They'll go and they'll go and play. They'll, they'll play whatever style you want them to play. You know, you're educated from probably like six, seven year old all the way through to seniors. 
you're playing the game, you know ins and outs of it, you get your UEFA B coaching license um, already when you're, when you're playing to a certain standard. So you know and you read the game. Um, so this whole transition of complete different style of when to press, when not to press, it's kind of overhyped in the media when it doesn't need to be. Um, I think players do understand systems and they do understand formats and they understand where they're going wrong. They're not stupid. They know the, they know the game. Um, so, but I can understand like certain types of players. So, like say if trying to have like Aiden Flint and um, I don't know someone really slow. Um, say Mikel Mikel will probably be a good example Mikel and uh, Aiden Flint won't be able to play at high press because it's just not suited to it you've got the only thing I would say is that you, when you look at your squad you have to see what type of formation you're going to have to play to protect the, what you have it's not like oh we're going to play fast attacking football because you know it's not you know it's not going to be available um, you just have to try and pick your formation to protect what you have and go over it until you get the player who you think might fit that system, which is like, that could be a lucky draw with any single player, um, but any player can play a well get system, it's not difficult, it's just a lot of runnings involved, um, and you kind of, you've got to question their mindset of, do they want to do it, or do they not want to do it, and if they don't want to do it, then see you later, sling your hook, because it's not going to work, like, they, they all know how to play this system, I'm, I'm not funny, but like, they know how to play a well get system, it's very very simple. It's not hard. Um, it's press when you need to on the on the hard touch, and then when you get the ball, you try and quick interface, quick into play, and get the shot on goal. You got a phone com- got a phone call coming in, uh, probably from a listener. Um, but it, it's true though. It's true. That's uh, that's what we're probably trying to we're up against to be honest. But I don't know. It, it is what it, it is. What it is to be honest. It is what it is. But. But the, but the thing is, is we like like we mentioned, we don't have that pace, so we we're trying to you know quicken the player, but we can't do that if we've got no pace. <laughs> I know, Dave's not happy. He's not happy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we we don't have, we don't have the pace. But it's like more or less of they know. Uh, it's just, it, and I'm repeating myself, but they know how to play. It's it's and we say we don't have the pace. Well, you've got to find a way to overcome that challenge and that's like what a manager's job is to do is it's kind of like a, a puzzle if, if you don't have the pace how can you ensure you're still effective Pulis knew when he came in and credit to Pulis that he knew fine well we didn't have pace since Traore left we couldn't bring in a winger so right we're going to play we're just going to soak up the pressure and try and hold the ball up with our centre forward it was simple simple as that Yes, it was dinosaur football. Yes, it was old-fashioned. But it was effective. It had to be effective because that's the type of players that we have. Um, but if we're going to play a Woodgate system, it's going to be like a three to four-month year period where we're going to have to just try and test different players. But if we get and rele- formations. And formations. But we're probably going to get relegated if, if, the way we're, if we don't change it now, to be honest. See, uh, people have asked that to me, and I've been like, no, we're absolutely not getting relegated. It's not going to happen. But based on current form... You've got to name y- three teams that are worse than us. Well, we said Barnsley, didn't we? Earlier, Barnsley, Barnsley maybe push Wigan in there, but Luton, like they played us off the park at times. Like it's we're not as as good as what we make out to be, and the realization is that we're in a dogfight and we're not going to be in the mid tables. We're going to probably be down there. Um, and like me and Maddo were saying, it was like if we finish mid table, like. Jesus Christ, that's probably win. That's probably as good as winning the Champions League for us this year. This year, because we're th- mm. probably we're not that great. Um, but the question is, like, how do you fix it? How do you overcome it? 
And I think that's what we probably need to chat about more rather than mourning and say, oh, we need to do this, this, this. It's like more or less of like, how do you overcome this obstacle to essentially achieve your goal? I think uh, I think there's kind of two things for me from that, and I guess it does kind of play into how you would fix it. And and uh, I was talking to um, Yaf before we came on air, um, and you know he was saying about do the players look fit? Um, we didn't kind of get a, you know I mean I, I might not have followed preseason as religiously as other people, but I don't seem to remember us saying about you know doing kind of fitness tests like Tony Pulis was when he took them to Austria and absolutely drilled them. Um, it was, you know, they were really fit when they came back um, for the start of Tony Pulis' system and, and that's always going to be with his because it's very hard work, very hard working. Um, but to even do what Woodgate wants, it's very hard working. And like you were saying, um, when you were just describing how Woodgate wants to play, you know, there's a lot of running involved and I think that they do want to do it. I just, I think that we don't have that the players they don't have the stamina and then I think the second point on it is you know in terms of the press yeah it can be very easy to do but I think it's doing it as a team and far too often what we see is that one side will do it and the other side won't it, that, and that side that do it will tend to be the right side um, Johnson and McNair will press and then they'll play the, ball, the opposition will play the ball over the other side and wing and Brown or Fletcher won't do it or they're out of position to do it um, and that's where we're, we're failing it's got to be done as a team and I think it comes back to what we were saying last week if if someone was up in the top of the West Stand watching they'd be able to see that but when you're down on the down on the touchline you can't see that happening it might look like Ashley Fletcher's in line with, with Johnson but in, in reality he's not um, mm. and when you see it from a kind of a bird's eye view you see how disjointed the the players are in the positioning um so there, there's kind of two easy fixes there you've got to work on you know some training we've got to work on fitness um in my eyes and then secondly got to work on positioning and everyone doing it as a unit it's like you know individually players can be good but what kind of happens in in sort of you know 11 aside football is is you know, kind of individuality goes out the window unless you you know Ronaldo or Messi or, or Neymar or whatever but it's kind of you know the, the tactics and system comes down to it and that's why a lot of score lines are, are pretty close because the team plays as, as a unit and they've got a clear plan and, and the plan that we have not everyone's doing it correctly so I think it, it has got there's far far um, too much work to be to, that we yeah. need to be doing on the training ground so Dan do you think that we'll get needs an experienced head to join the coaching staff at this moment I think Steve Ron was the initial shout and then he I think you rejected it or something yeah, didn't materialise like yeah, yeah. um, but do you think we need someone who is, is actually experienced to probably help this young coaching staff out yes they are experienced in, in the playing careers and Robbie Keane is possibly one of the, the greatest Premier League strikers of this modern era um, but do you think they need a little bit of help on that yeah I think so I mean obviously you've got uh, Robbie Keane Toying between you know Ireland and and Borough as well. Are you going to say coaching and playing? I was like, I'll, 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 he, can, he can put his boots on for me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I, yeah, I agree. But no, I think um, I think he needs that guidance. And I was quite surprised when we didn't bring anyone else in on the coaching side of things because that's what was said by Steve Gibson in the in the press conference, the first press conference. Because that's when we had Danny Coyne, Robbie Keane, obviously Woodgate, and then Leo all confirmed to be alongside Woodgate. And um, and Steve Gibson said that we would like one more, you know, coach to to join them, 
and that didn't happen and I was quite surprised and I'm still surprised that nobody else has been brought in because I think we well, do need that. We just found out today that Tony McMahon is helping out in some sort of coaching role which is yeah for nine days or in it or is it, is it? I, I mean, I didn't. That's read, what they did. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I didn't read well, the full article. Well, during the during the international yeah. break. Okay. So. But I mean, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't surprise Job me. Job for if the we, boys. And it wouldn't. Uh, honestly, yeah. it wouldn't be surprised if he but does get it. You know time. how how experienced? You know why Tony Wan? How how experienced is he? What was? I think what Woodgate said was that um, it's just because he's indecisive on whether, like, he's undecided. Sorry, whether he's um, going to retire or keep playing. Okay. So he's just showing him the ropes a little bit whilst it's the international break. But, you know, going back on to what you were saying, I think he, I think it is needed. Um, I, it would help Woodgate to have a little bit of guidance from somebody that has been in and around it as a coach because it's one thing being an experienced player, but it's a different thing being, in, being a coach. Mm. I think it, it's needed throughout the whole club, really, if you think about it, because you need experienced players to help this younger generation that's coming through. Um, I think when you think of the likes of the Class of 92 at Manchester United, they had fantastic young players like Scholes and Nevilles, Giggs, Beckham. But then they had the experienced players around them to make sure that when they did mess up, they had someone there to kind of say, all right, okay, well, you've mm-hmm. done this wrong. But also they had the experience there to take them out the line. Like with Middlesbrough, they'd need that, that would say, like that lead bit of spine, the really. Leader again, that yeah, lead, that, that, that leadership spine, not just on the pitch. But then off the pitch as well, where Woodgate has experience there, and then you've got an experienced director of football, someone who knows the game inside out, and then can say, right, short term, it's going to be horrendous. Like, there's no doubt about it. We're in a bit of a pickle. Yeah. Um, but <coughs> in the long term, it, 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 we're going to have this way of playing. And I think what f- for me, if I could choose a style or not like it's necessarily a style, but if I could identify Mills with football club, you'd, you'd want to identify them as. Hard working, aggressive, um, not afraid to get a red card, you know, because that's the kind of area that we're from. Um, but also, like, just like a team, essentially, yeah, united front, because this whole area has been known for being united, and yet I've never set, I've never felt so distant from this current crop of performers, really. We, it's, it's difficult, it's like, really. We it's still, like that blog post ages ago. Yeah, we still don't have a leader. And, like, I went to the Lionesses game on Saturday, and they have leaders in that team. They've got Steph Horton, who's a fantastic captain. They've got Jill Scott. They've got Lucy Jill, Jill Scott was, was really good. She really, yeah. really marshaled the midfield. She, it, watch it's, that game, like, but. it's like we, we don't have that. It's like I do miss Grand Ledbetter, and I know that obviously his legs were gone. He wasn't at the level consistently, which is why he wasn't playing before he left. But my God, he was some captain. He was just like, yeah. and we've missed that. We've missed that since he left. I think that plays into what we were just talking about before we came on air as well about Dale Fry, although, and and Phil pointed out that you know he's he made a senior debut in 2014, had 55 appearances, um, and we were were also saying earlier about you know Shotton and and uh, Ayala are experienced in the sense by age, but when you think about it, we keep saying, although. He made he's made various mistakes lately. Um, that Dale Fry is probably one of our better defenders. Obviously, the highest value defender that we have linked with Premier League moves. He he isn't reaching the potential he is now because the, the players that he's playing alongside aren't good enough as well. So, for example, I think Ayala years ago was. Um, You're going to say it, aren't you? What? You're not a fan of Ayala, are you? I'm not. No. Well, I mean. No. <laughs> 
But no, I mean, <laughs> no, years ago, the ta- I, I are oh, the tables have turned. They no, should have two footed you both when we were on the centre circle. No, it's it's Brian not. Today. I don't have anything against any Ayala. It's the more or less of the. You do need an Ayala with a fry. You do. Or yeah, you, but you I, a, I think he's he's not he's nowhere near as good now as he was a few years ago. And obviously, it, it depends on you know what Karanka was coaching them because we were unbelievable defensive wise. Yeah, but you and play it, with like two defensive midfielders, which sweep up more more yeah. press. But so it's uh, so still made a lot of mistakes. I mean, so. Yeah, but Gibson Gibson looked really good in that system and looked good because Ayala was kind of showing him the ropes. He was the older one. Um, but I feel like Dale we're relying too much on Dale Fry and even when we were waiting to come back from injury and it's it's almost as if we were going to turn into prime bass or something when he came back and it's like he's 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 a 22 year old centre back coming back from injury and, and we weren't going to change overnight was it it was yeah I'm just going to put this out there right now Dale Fry is overrated we have <gasps> such no we have <laughs> such a habit of overrating our own young players, and don't get me wrong, he's 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 gonna be good, but I think people think that he's gonna literally turn it back and bow it in. Yeah, like, I think he makes so many mistakes still, and he's twenty two. I think that's what happened Aye, but, with with Gibson as well. <laughs> like so young. <laughs> no, I but, think no, but yeah, I, I know what you mean. I think that's what happened with Gibson as well. Everyone was kind of like, oh, he's gonna be the next, yeah, sort of Sergio Ramos, and then turns out actually he's, he's just an average. So he's a centre back for Burnley. Do you know what I mean? That, ben Gibson that. established himself when he yeah. was Dale Fry's age. Dale, like Ben Gibson, the mistakes came a lot younger. We're still seeing mistakes from Dale Fry, yeah. and yeah, twenty two is still young, but he's he's you know he's been an an England under twenty one international. He's gone through the, the ranks the World there. Cup. Yeah, won the World Cup with the under twenties, and then you know he's, he's coming to the Borough team, and he still makes mistakes. He makes mistakes, but he's still the best centre back we've got at the club. But I think that more That's says about the centre backs. Yeah, the lack got. of quality at the club. Yeah, so I mean, it's not the not the prime position for us to be strengthening um, in January. But it's one of them. I, I'd I'd like to see a better uh, centre back alongside Dale, and I feel like he'd learn a lot better um, than from from Shatnayala. So, mm. yeah. no, fair enough. Um, I, we do have a couple of questions coming in, actually. Um, well, I've got one on my uh, on my old phone. Um, my friend Connor actually said this, so I'm sorry I didn't. I'm dropping this on you. But uh, um, he said, in an attempt to keep Borough stable this season and avoid relegation, you have two choices: get rid of Woodgate or bring in one or two attacking midfielders. Which option would you pick? Um, obviously, if if you, whoever you pick, who would you bring in? Is kind of like your alternative. So if you sack Woodgate, who would you bring in? If you had to bring an attacking midfielder to work with Woodgate, who would you bring in? So it's like kind of either or. What? Sack will get bringing two attacking midfielders? Yeah, Sack will get, and then you have to bring someone else in. Or you just you keep will get, and you bring in an attacking footballer. Well, I'd do the second one. Yeah, I would I'd, probably agree. I'd go with Marcus Madison as well, by the way. I think every time I... I mean, I don't watch Quest that often, to be honest, because it's Quest. <laughs> but whenever I watch it, uh, and Peter will come up, they're playing some good stuff this year. I don't know where they are in, the, in, in League One. I think they are up there. But every time... <clears throat> there's a highlight he's involved he's involved in, in goals assists he's got a really good left foot I'm going to th- throw it out there I'm going to throw it out there oh and there's a second one we're going to throw another one out here I'm going to throw it out there <laughs> you're going to throw you, it out there throwing? I'd, I'd, I'd bring Discus. back I'd bring back Adam Reach nah nah 
I would. I thought you were going to say Lee Tomlin just because we, we... No, we I, I would actually bring back Adam Reach. I think he's he's actually grown as a player over the last few seasons. He's actually developed his game so much. Um, he's actually technically a lot better than what we've got. Um, and you could probably get a decent... Miles better. It's, well, miles better, but also... If you buy him on FIFA, you are guaranteed to get promoted. Um, he's absolutely outstanding. But no, it, I actually did buy him a Boris save and he's flying in the goals. But it's more or less of Adam Reach. When I watched him play for Sheffield Wednesday, he dictated that midfield. He made he made us look like he was amateur. Hour. Um, he got the ball. He took in. No surprise, he scored. It, like he gets the chance, he scores. It, it's it's more or less of Reach's scoring, Reach goal, scoring goals. goals. Like it's like. It's. I think it's a shout. Personally, I, I'm not mad at it at all. If I think if we put a tweet out there and put a poll in, if you want to pick one else, but unless you want to sack Woodgate, then <laughs> sorry, Johnny. <laughs> no, I, I'd I'd go with uh, getting somebody in as well. Um, I'd probably have to say Marcus Madison as well, and I think that's Snake. down to limited options. Um, Wait, uh, of just limited options in my head, really, of not really knowing uh, players at the level that we can bring in. So it's going to be. Lower end championship. Um, I have a higher end. Control. Yeah, higher end. Is uh, he a striker? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, higher end league one. Um, because I don't even think you know, if I'm out in reach, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to be. You know, if Borough even, I don't think Sheffield Wednesday would entertain a bid. I don't well, think we'd have a bid high enough. Mistake selling him, to um, be honest. But we can't have to at the time. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I wouldn't come back if I was him. Six goals and six assists in 11 appearances for Marcus Madison already this season. What's our highest score on Brit? Three? Four? I think. Mm. Yeah, four. Four for the season. Yeah. I mean, granted, that's in League One. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I'm surprised with a lot of other clubs in for him over the summer because I'm surprised he still didn't leave. I don't know. I think his contract situation might have put teams off because he's coming into the last year of his contract it, right, okay. it runs out um, this sorry next summer so maybe they're kind of waiting for that or waiting like watching it kind of uh, to see whether they'll give him another one I'm not sure but it all comes down to that aspect why would you leave near London to come up to Middlesbrough unless you're on a massive pay packet and can we afford it well Marcus Madison's from Gateshead isn't he is he yeah up the butter well Gates, I think he's from soon. He's come back and see your family he's son. definitely <laughs> from um, I'll drive you up <laughs> Yeah, he's definitely from the northeast. Oh well, maybe that's why the link is then. But it's it's a shout though. The, the ball from Gateshead. Just saying, the Gateshead duo. Durham, uh, Durham. Oh Jesus Christ! Um, I mean, I well, guess uh, another shout yeah. would be. I feel like you might have to create me again. But is uh, Ben Strickland's hero of Dan Dan Crowley? Dan is Crowley. he? Uh, he he set he up the winning goal against. Um, it's great ball in as well. Paddy McNair's fault. If you look back at the goal, it was schoolboy error that defending. It's mm. absolutely schoolboy. Um, it's, but to be fair, if, uh, sorry, I know we're going to go all the way back down to Birmingham uh, to uh, nearly wrap this up, but it was more or less of like we did not deserve a single thing from that game. That daylight robbery to even suggest that we should have got a point, and also like the schoolboy era of defending was just there for all of us to see, really. So I'm a little bit worried coming at the West Brom game, to be honest, um, because these, I feel these, like this next set of four games, I am dreading it. We'll win all of them. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be the most typical Borough thing to do with that, though. We win them all. Um, I mean, I don't think we will. I think we'll get turned over by West Brom. We'll get turned over by Leeds. Um, who else we got? Oh, no, it's not. It's, I think Leeds, it's Leeds. It's West Brom, then Huddersfield, then Huddersfield. Fulham, then Derby. Leeds is a soon, though, isn't it? And Leeds must be shortly after that, I imagine. Well, like but Huddersfield, like when I'm looking at the bottom three, 
I think Joseph like um, said like oh, I can't remember his question. He said, he said uh, "Are we the worst team in the league? Are we the worst team in the league? Who's, 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 who's worth? Who's worse? Like Barnsley. Um, I think at the moment Stoke. Um, I don't think Stoke because to lose that six point at home to Huddersfield is terrible. They were brilliant. Have you seen their highlights against? They were brilliant against Swansea. Right, okay. absolutely brilliant. Fair play to Nathan Jones. He actually didn't say wonderful in his press conference as well. I was absolutely <laughs> devastated because I wanted to show who he's all, but yeah. it's what it is, man. Isn't it? So, yeah, based on, you know, you have to say we're 20th at the moment, so there is technically 14, so I think in the next two weeks or so, Huddersfield are probably going to be above us because um, they're playing Blackburn when we play West Brom and then they're playing us. Um, yeah. Uh, the two, the, you know, only the two teams we've beat so far are going to be in and around us, potentially below us. So we're going to. Well, Reading have Redding. just sacked their manager as well, haven't they? So have they? Gone, yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. As well, if they dedicated a whole hasn't, day to it. Yeah, that hasn't turned out uh, quite the way well, they wanted it, has it? Do you remember when we were t- speaking at the Talhurst end? Oh the yeah, 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 yeah. They said there was a whole full Jose Gomez day on the final day of the season last season. Yeah, I think it's because obviously it was kind of he came in halfway through. We kind of steadied it, didn't get them relegated, and it was like right, kick on and. And push on, and maybe they'd be, I don't know, tenth by now with a couple of points off the playoffs. But to be be where they are is obviously it's not. It hasn't really. There's no improvement, is there? So no. yeah. All right, okay. Well, that's pretty much it then, isn't it? He's happy. Yeah. Fair well, I'm not really happy, but well, uh, we <laughs> never suppo- happy. We support. A yeah, we support Borough, don't we? Yeah. We're yeah. Used to it. <laughs> I know. Well, to be fair, it's ups and downs, and it's swings and roundabouts, really. No, there's one that. Good point, actually, that you just said that, um, and, and I was I was saying it too. Obviously, I got the match with uh, my sister um, and a boyfriend and my nephew, and uh, the Chef Wed game obviously was uh, terrible. And my nephew wanted to go, and it was like two nil. And uh, I mean, love to see it, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, he, he is so he, he does not want to go to the match when I go around his house. He's not excited for it one bit. Um, I think last time he was excited was when Adana Traore was here, and he absolutely adored him. Um, and it's just kind of the last year and and this this season as well. It's absolutely broke him. And I'm just I'm trying to say it to him in a sense where it's like <laughs> you have a lot to learn, my friend. Yeah, but I, <laughs> I'm trying to say it's like like you said, it swings around about peaks and troughs where it's going to come back around, or at least I hope it has done over the, the lifetime of me being a Borough fan, where we've had good times and bad times. So it's it's in a sense that I said to him, you know, if you know if it was a couple of years ago under Karanka. Um, you know that my sister yeah. got you a season ticket and you came to the matches you'd, you'd absolutely loved it but now I said it's just the wrong time you have came at this time period now where we're in a transitional phase we don't have great players um, we've got a couple of matches and expect like that Preston game looking back at it now I think was a good point but even before the game I was thinking the point will be good tonight and mm. normally you know saying against Preston oh, we should be, you know, a couple of years ago we'd have been like win that all day you know, a point. I, I take a point against West. I take a point against West Brom. Yeah. Um, yeah, I take, I take out, a yeah. point against Huddersfield. That would be a win yeah. for us. So, a point against West Brom. Yeah, people. Well, look, people will always remember the current career and how good we were at home. People will always remember, like the Janinos, the Emersons, um, you know, <laughs> the Ravenellis. They'll always remember that, and they'll just think, "Ah, oh, well, we're, we're rubbish now." And those years are completely different. Every year is completely different, depending on the manager. But also, it's like like you were saying, swings and roundabouts. And right. also, like in that Robson era, um, we weren't actually that great either. <laughs> yeah. fair, we were actually brutal at the back. I think I think maybe 
man in your age, maybe two or three years either side, being maybe spoilt. Oh man, we've been well. definitely spoiled. So I think for me to for my a new fir- generation for of fans, yeah, like my, yeah, exactly. So for my first season uh, ticket, we finished seventh in the Premier League, and it was like we, you know, we were walking down the ground, and fans were singing on the way to the ground, and it was like, you know, we turned up to games, and, and I was like, I was overly optimistic. And like my brother used to laugh at me and be like, because I'd be like, oh, what, what, you'd be, what's your prediction for today? Say we were playing Aston Villa, I'd be like, ah, oh, we're going to win 3 0. And they'd laugh because it'd be like, he's, we know he's probably right because we were we were class at that time. But at the same time, they were used to us being the team that would be getting battered all the time. We've seen him. So, we were mint man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think we have been spoiled a little bit. So, kind of, you know, at the same time, we. Uh, we are, we're having to adjust to it, but also trying to get a whole new generation of fans in and interested in the club. <laughs> it's difficult. Um, that's, that's, that's difficult. Like it comes down to that whole fundamental plan, that big long-term plan of getting people in and having an identity. It, it has to relate with your customers. It's just, That's the, the real one of business and marketing. If, yeah. you, if you relate to your customer and you make them feel valued and kind of be part of the brand, then it's... It's very, very easy to sell good, something. Good, good that you said that because it plays into price as well. Um, of course I know, obviously... You buy an iPhone for two grand. I know they've probably worked out to the point where, you know, they know how many fans are going to come so they've maximised it so, you know, they're getting the most revenue. Um, even though they could get, they could fill it if they, you know, put tickets at a tenner but they might not make as much or whatever. Uh, they've probably worked out the exact maths there. But when you think about the game, uh, the Lionesses game on, on the weekend, even though... We were two 0 down at one point and got beat in the end. Um, the kids there, everyone looked like they were having a great time, um, and the, you know they give everyone the England flags um, when they got there. They, you know there was chance going. They had the samba band there, starting off some England songs. Just that, little things like that play, play into an atmosphere on match day that make it an experience rather than just going, standing in the crowd with Bovril or whatever, and just you know Bovril pine and mourn. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, how many times last season was it just like why why do yeah. I want to come out on a Tuesday yeah, yeah, night and, and spend th- spend 30 quid it's yeah. just yeah that's a whole other debate isn't it right. it's oh, exactly. just we can well, delve right in let's yeah. wrap it up and we'll chat about it next week <laughs> yeah. um, so as always guys like share subscribe um, to the Bull Breakdown channel give us five star written on Apple Podcasts um, well we actually got charted um, last week in the Apple Podcast world and we're actually number two 30 in Abu Dhabi as well so shout out to us um, so yeah d- help us guys um, help us get up the ranks as well and help us get found by other Borough fans um, I'm Johnny I'm with Dana I'm with Elliot this is Borough Breakdown's version of Yaskaf so I'm going to leave off in his way I'm Johnny and I'm off see ya support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air Fleming for Craig Hignett hit it Higgy Higgy hits the track Abanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Abanelli spots out. Emerson! 
mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 